Thanks for listening to the Crosspoint Podcast. This is the Young Adults Ministry of the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Here we desire to see this generation of young adults reached and revived with the gospel of Christ. We believe our generation has the opportunity to change the world as we know it. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. at Franklin Road Baptist Church. Our prayer is that our podcast will help you grow in your relationship with God. Enjoy the Crosspoint Podcast. And apparently it takes about 25 minutes to accept a print job. So it probably is still down there. It said it was spooling. I don't even know what that word is. Um, but it said that it was 78% spooled. Um, so maybe by the time I get down there, it'll be 80% spooled. Um, but anyways, no notes today. So here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. Pull out your phone. Um, maybe pull out a piece of paper if you got one um, or something along those lines. Uh, I understand this is a young adults class. So if you pull out your phone, I'm going to assume that you are probably taking notes and I'm gonna go ahead and just assume you're probably texting too so uh, anyways uh, we'll just let it go so uh, we can't give demerits or anything so might as well uh, use your phone for good but um, pull out your phone uh, today we're going to be talking about battling failure and so we've been in a series entitled the Christian mind and really on Sunday mornings really been walking through more of the battles that our mind faces and um, how to take biblical principles and apply our uh, apply those to our minds, apply those to our lives. So last week we talked about battling fear and insecurity from the life of Gideon, and we've really been doing them more as character studies. And so uh, this past Wednesday we were in the main service for Josh Ferran's ordination. We will pick back up on a little bit more of our practical study this coming Wednesday, and uh, we'll have those uh, have that ready for you uh, this coming Wednesday at 7 o'clock right up here, and it uh, gives us a little bit more of an opportunity to maybe teach a practical lesson and then have some discussion around it and so if you'll join us on Wednesday at 7 up here then we will uh, be in this a little bit deeper but today we'll be in 1st Samuel chapter number 30 talking about battling failure battling failure this is lesson number six of the series I want us to begin reading in verse number one of 1st Samuel 30 the Bible says this and it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire. And had taken the women captive that were therein, they, they slew not any, either great nor or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. So this is why you see that David has a special interest in Ziklag, because obviously his family, the men uh, of his uh, group there, uh, their families were there. Verse number four, Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept, until they had no more power to weep. Probably very well justified if your family had just been taken captive. And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelites, and Abigail, we like her name a lot better, the Nabal of the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. If you don't have, if you don't 
underline in your Bibles, or if you do underline your Bibles, I would encourage you to underline that phrase. It is so important that in the midst of a moment of distress, what did David do? Did David find a way, and we'll talk about this a little bit more in the lesson, did David find a way out? Did David really look inwardly? No, he looked upwardly and he encouraged himself in the Lord. And David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought hither the ephod to David. The ephod, for those of you who may be unfamiliar with that word, was a symbol of the priest. It was a priestly garment. And so he's asking him to bring that forth. Basically, if it doesn't really give us this in the context, but the assumption is that David needed the priestly ephod so that he could worship God in the midst of this moment. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So David went, he and the 600 men that were with him, and came to the brook Bezor, where those that were left behind stayed. But David pursued he and 400 men, for 200 abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the brook Bezor. And they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and gave him bread, and he did eat, and they made him drink water, and they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him, for he had eaten no bread nor drunk any water three days and three nights. You say, why is this important that they're feeding this guy? Here's why. And David said unto him, To whom belongest thou, and whence art thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite. And my master left me, because three days agone I fell sick. We made an invasion upon the south of the Cherethrites, and upon the coast which belongeth to Judah, and upon the south of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, Canst thou bring me down to this company? And he said, Swear unto me by God, that thou wilt neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will bring thee down to this company. And when he had brought him down, behold, they were spread upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing, because of the great spoil that they had had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. And David smote them from twilight even unto the evening of the next day. So quite the battle. And there escaped not a man of them, save four hundred young men, which rode upon camels and fled. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all. And David took all the flocks and the herds which they drave before those, uh, those other cattle and said, This is David's spoil. I want to refer you to a couple of uh, key phrases. First of all, in verse number 6 where it says, But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And then skip down to verse number 8. He says, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them and without fail recover all. The thing I want us to talk about today in regards to the Christian mind is battling failure. Battling failure. Unfortunately, I would like to say that your life will be free from failure, but as most of you have already determined, probably even today, that you are not going to be able to escape failure of some sort in life. 
And yet for us as Christians, what we have to be able to see is that God often points us to failure to drive us closer to Him, to drive us to our knees, to drive us to being dependent upon Him. And if we see failure as something that we can use to show ourselves strong rather than show God strong, we will miss the point of it and our mind will be greatly influenced as a result. So let's pray and we'll ask God to help us. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the day that you've given us, Lord. We thank you for the time that you've given us together, Lord. I pray that you would help us as we look into your word. Lord, give me the words to say. You know that this week has not been uh, ideal for uh, preparation and for study. And yet, Lord, I trust that um, you are in control of all that. And so, Lord, I submit myself to you. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Lord, I ask that you would give me the words to say as only you can. In your name we pray. Amen. You've probably seen it or heard it or maybe seen it taken out of context. But Michael Jordan made a famous quote to where he basically talks about all the times and all the shots that he's missed. And he basically comes to the conclusion that because of failure is why he succeeds. That if he had never learned how to fail, he would never learn how to succeed. There's other great athletes that have said it. There's other great business people who have said it. There's other great people. There's other context of it. There's probably people who have taken credit for it and put it on some cheesy little Pinterest thing and said that they said it. Okay. All that to say is that Failure does play a major role in success. And yet for many of us as Christians, we try to skirt around failure. For many of us as human beings, we try to make it so that we don't appear to be a failure. For many of us, we don't even understand the context and really maybe the goal of failure in the life of the Christian. When we talk about failure, we're obviously not talking about maybe failing to make money. We're not talking about maybe even failure in the world's eyes. We're simply talking about something that goes wrong in your life. Someone once said that life is a series of ungrieved losses. Basically, something occurs in your life. You lose something. You miss out on something. You don't get the job promotion. You don't get the girlfriend you want. You don't get the boyfriend friend you want and you really have to learn how to live with that and so for us as Christians what we have to do is rather than learning how to live with it rather than taking it as an opportunity to make a webinar or to make an Instagram account about how you can get what you want and get more than what you ever dreamed and and maybe train people on how to live their life so that they get everything that they want we have to learn that failure in the life of the Christian plays an important role and that role is this is that it is intended to drive us to the feet of God to pursue Him and then see what comes next. It's interesting to me that in this story, David does not step back and even pursue, although he knows that he can probably overtake them. He doesn't even really give, it, uh, the, give the thought of maybe pursuing without God's permission. And so many times what we do with failure is we see it as an opportunity to show how great we are rather than using failure as an opportunity to show how great God is. And so I want to show you just really three rules or three things that you can do in the midst of failure. The first one is this, is stay in failure. Stay in failure. Okay? I remember I had a sweet mate when I was in college that was wanting to be a physical trainer. Um, why you would want to do that, I don't know. But he decided to make us his guinea pigs for like, I think we lasted two weeks is basically what it was. Maybe not even two weeks because I'm pretty sure I skipped like half of every other week, all right? But um, one of the things that he would do is he would say, all right, I want you to pick this up. And I always, it like rings in my ears. He says, I want you to pick this up and I want you to curl it or lift it or push it or throw it or whatever until failure. 
It's like, well, what does that mean? Basically, you did it until you couldn't anymore. And I specifically remember one, I, had a, I, I have a, a roommate that will remain unnamed because some of you will know him. But we did what was called preacher curls, okay? Which is, sounds ministerial, but it's not. It's actually torture, okay? Where you put your arms over a little bar and, or over a rest, and then you, put your, you pick up a bar and you curl it over like this, okay? So you're sitting down. And I remember that he said, do it until failure. And so the guy that I was with, you know how sometimes you know that one arm is stronger, but you can't figure out like how to make the, and I just remember that he was doing like this veins are popping and like, which he wasn't like a strong person. It probably was like 15 pounds. And then I probably did um, 17 pounds. Okay. Um, so anyways, but like, and I just remember that he was like, I can't figure out how to get my arms to raise. Like he was sitting there and like one would raise and he's like, oh no, I need this one. And so he felt like, okay, I have no, you have no control over that. You did it till failure. So it was very obvious that he had done it too far past what he needed to do, right? And then after that, like, that's the time of day where you like, time of day where you like go to scratch your head and you have to like raise it with your other arm, okay? You did it to failure. And here's what we often do in moments of failure. Maybe we hit a wall in a relationship. Maybe we hit a wall financially. Maybe we hit a wall emotionally. Whatever the case may be. You hit a wall. You hit failure. And what do you immediately begin to do? Look for the way out, right? When that, when that friend of mine was leaned over that curl or that little preacher curl thing and was curling those, do you know what he started doing? Help me, help me, pick it up, lift this side, level it out. Okay. He was immediately searching for what he needed to do to get out of it. And here's what I want you to see. David actually does something that is very important to the soul. He comes back and he sees that he's faced failure. That while he's been out fighting battles and doing what God's told him to do, that he is in a moment to where everyone else is looking at him and saying, you're a horrible leader because of this. We've lost our families. We've lost everything that we fought for. You have failed us. And you know what he doesn't stand up and do is he doesn't stand up and make some illustrious speech. In fact, he actually joins in the morning. It says that they weep until they, have we they could not weep any longer. These are warriors. These are soldiers. These are men who have fought and won battles and will continue to win battles the further you read on in Scripture. These were David's mighty men. These were people who had no problem slicing someone up to get what they wanted. And yet when they came back and they faced something that filled like failure, when they faced something of loss, when they faced grief, when they faced mourning, they chose to take the time to sit there and mourn and grieve because there was a loss. And there are times in your life to where when you hit that wall, when you feel that failure, when you see that happening before your eyes, it is a time for you to sit still and say, I'm going to search for God in this. I'm going to stay here a while. Guys, by nature, you are problem solvers. When we do premarital counseling with uh, some of you that have uh, been through it with us, when we do premarital counseling, what's one of the things that we talk about as a, as a couple? One of the things that we say is, let her guys when she comes home to tell you her problems she doesn't want step number one step number two step number three about how to get out of it okay she just wants you to sit there and listen and be like oh i'm sorry that was tough mm -hmm. okay well, oh wow okay oh yeah okay she doesn't need you to be the problem solver 
And in this moment, David could have easily said, all right, guys, here's our plan. We're going to pursue. We're going to overtake. We're going to get everything back that we've always wanted. But he chose to stay in failure for just a moment. And here's the reason why I say that. I want you to quote this verse with me, and you've heard me say it once, so you've probably heard me say it a hundred times. Let's quote the verse, and then I'm going to make this statement. Be still and know that I am God. Can you quote that verse with me? Be still and know that I am God. You will not know God in busyness, only stillness. You won't know God by going and solving your own problems. You won't see how great He is by going and fixing and overcoming failure. By going and watching a webinar. By going and following someone on Instagram who's overcome their, their failures. You will only know God in the seasons of stillness that many times are accompanied by seasons of failure. And unless you let failure drive you to your knees and let you experience God for yourself, you will never know a real God in your life. If you are your own biggest hero, if you can solve all your own problems, and there's some people that take pride in that, and let me just say, congratulations, good for you. The rest of us, we need God, and I guarantee you that those who learn to depend upon God will be far better off than those who have learned to depend upon themselves. We wonder why we don't have revival. It's because in some ways we have made it so that we don't need to be God-dependent. We don't need to have God for our finances. We don't need to have God for our relationships. We don't need to have God for our emotions. We don't need to have God for our jobs. We don't need to have God for our education. We don't need to have God for stress. And then we wonder why we don't experience personal and uh, church-wide revival. Well, because we don't need God. We're content to live without Him. We've found a way to skirt failure. We've found a way to become more reliant on ourselves and dig ourselves out. And rather than staying in failure and feeling it for a little bit and saying, Lord, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to mourn and I'm going to weep and I'm going to seek after you, then you will not experience God's presence. So first of all, stay in failure. But then secondly, and this is what staying in failure eventually leads to, is worship and failure. Worship and failure. In verse number 7, he asked the priest, he says, And David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David, and David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue? So David now says, I'm going to come before God clean. I'm going to come before God in priestly garments. I'm going to seek after him, and I'm going to ask him what I should do. And if you can't find a way to allow your failure to drive you to worship God, I promise you that the last point is not even worth talking about. It's amazing to me that in a time when the world needs the church and needs Christians more than ever, that we have gotten more self-reliant than we ever have been before more apathetic and cold than we ever have before. More inward-looking rather than upward-looking. I almost, I almost laugh at some of the e ministry emails that come across my computer. 
In fact, I got one the other day that <laughs> I shouldn't make fun of it because maybe it works, but it just sounded funny, okay? The, you know how like those little catchy titles are in like the subject and then they put like the little emojis with it now? Like it wasn't enough to just have a catchy subject line. Now you have to put an emoji with it, okay? So I got one the other day that was the little praying hands and it said seven ways to have revival in your church. It's, watch this, pay me this much, and you'll have revival. And We've gotten to the point to where we have almost branded and marketed God. To where we no longer even have to, we no longer have to depend. Why would we need God to trump something up when we can do it ourselves? Why would we need God to send His Holy Spirit's power when we can make it look like we have it ourselves? And what did Paul write to Timothy about the last days? That they will deny the power thereof. That they'll have a form of godliness. Can I encourage you with this? That in moments of failure, the last thing that you need to do is go and search out some success story. You need to get to God. You need to find God. You need to worship Him. You need to come into the church and be ready for God to do something and speak to your heart. Not run to Instagram and say, oh, you know what, there was one person I remember someone retweeting or, or, or reposting and, and in their story it said, how to deal with failure. So I'm just going to go and, no, 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 get to God. It's interesting to me that David had so much faith and so much trust in God, and I want you to see this, that he literally was willing to not pursue had God told him not to. Think about the power of verse number 8. That David is at a point to where the people that are around him want to kill him because of his failures, because of his shortcomings. They want to kill him, and he's willing to put his head on the chopping block for God. That he's willing to come to God and say, Lord, should I pursue? Have you ever thought about the negative, the adverse side of that? question what if God says no what if God says don't pursue what if God says chalk it up as a loss David so David then has to take that ephod off and go and stand before warriors and mighty men who already want to kill him and say sorry fellas God said no but he chose to take a moment and worship the Lord. And you say, why is that important? Here's why. Was David doing what God had told him to do prior to 1 Samuel chapter number 30? Answer the question. Was David doing what God had told him to do? I'll, I'll help you. Yeah. He was pursuing, he was showing the strength of God, the power of God upon people. He was winning battles and giving God the glory. There were some things that probably had uh, transpired in his life prior to that point that were not of God's will. But at this point in his life, leading up to 1 Samuel chapter number 30, he was doing something for God. He was doing what God had told him. I want you to listen so much to this. I feel like that sometimes this stuff just shoots right over your head. Many times the failures that we don't understand are the ones that we can't comprehend when we're doing what we're supposed to do. Is anybody else there? God, I was doing everything you told me to do, and yet you caused me to fail in this area. 
God, I was dating a good girl. I was, I was in a good job. And yet, look at what happened. And unless we find a way to say, God, your presence is more important than your mission, then we will never understand failure in our life. So many people, here's what we do. We get the mission above the presence. Well, I, I'm doing something for God. I, I'm reaching people. I'm in the job that God told me that I needed to be in. I'm dating the person that God told me to date. I'm with the friends that, I, that God wants me to be with. I'm doing all these things. And so we, instead of just basically saying I need God, no, we give this list of things that, well, this is God. God, I go to church. God, I, I read my Bible. God, I, I have this devotional that I read. God, look at well, how much I give. God, look at what I do. God, look at this. And we give this list of things rather than just saying, God, I need you. David was accomplishing the mission of God. But at some point, God's presence was greater than the mission. And it's not that the mission goes away, it is now that the mission flows out of the presence of God. God, I'm going to worship you in my failure. And that may mean that my mission changes. That may mean that you tell me not to pursue. But at least I'll have you. And I'm not really convinced that 21st century American Christianity is ready for just this. I'm not convinced that we're ready for our mission to change. I'm not sure that we can get to the point as young adults and as Christians to where we become completely reliant on just God. But we got to get there. And we have to worship in failure. And then the last thing that I want you to see is this, is that we must obey out of failure. You say, okay, I failed. Something went wrong in my life. I don't understand. I, 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 I'm going to stay in failure. I'm going to mourn when I need to mourn. I'm going to weep when I need to weep. I'm going to stay here a little bit. I'm going to even worship in failure. I'm going to come to church when I hear a song about a valley. Man, I'm going to be sitting there crying. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to not forsake the presence of God for the mission of God. I'm going to do all those things, but how do I get out? Right? That's how we really all want to, what we all want to know. David did not get out of failure under his own power. He chose to obey. And that is why verse number 8 is so important. Is that you do not pull yourself out of failure, you obey out of failure. God, what's next? God, I don't know. Can you imagine... Verse number 8, God says pursue, and David goes on this wild goose chase. Can you imagine if there were no verses 13 through 16? Where David just so happens to come across an Egyptian that was a slave of the Amalekites. I want you to listen to this statement because I think it completely sums up where many of you live. The providence of God is often found in obedience to God. I don't think that if you, ha unless you have verse 7 and verse 8, I don't think David finds the Egyptian, if I'm being honest. 
I don't think that David literally just so happens to stumble across someone who becomes, for lack of a better term, an internal spy that says, yeah, I'll take you to him. The providence of God is often found in obedience to God, meaning this for you and for your life, is that when you fail, it's not an opportunity to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Your bootstraps aren't up here, I understand that, but I didn't want to bend over, okay? Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and say, well, look at me, I'm going to go and pursue, I'm going to get everything back. No, it is an opportunity for you to say, I am going to obey, and then I'm going to see how God provides. Look at that theme throughout Scripture. Abraham and Isaac. Abraham never walks up that mountain, never ties Isaac to that altar, never raises his fist with the knife in his hand. He never finds the lamb in the thicket. Because the providence of God is often preceded by obedience to God. And until you learn that you obey your way out of failure, God, what's my next step? Okay, it's this. God, so-and-so broke up with me. What do I need to do? Okay, I need to take this step. God, this is going on in my finances. What do I need to do? Okay, I need to take this step. And here's the way that this affects our mind. For many of us, we have no understanding of what failure does to us. And so what do we do? We live as that statement that I made at the beginning of the class, is that life is a series of ungrieved losses. <laughs> I failed. That stinks. Oh, well. Oh, man, I messed this up. Oh, okay. So-and-so hurt me. Oh, okay, I guess that's just life rather than understanding that in that moment it could have very well been that God wanted you to face that failure of whatever size and say, would you just stay here a while? Would you just get to know a little bit more about me? Would you worship me in the midst of this? And then would you let me give you the next step out? Well, I know what my next step is out of this breakup. I'm going to go and find someone prettier. I'm going to go and find someone cuter. I'm going to go and find someone richer. And I'm going to post it all over Instagram. I don't even care if they're saved. That's not right, okay? But yet, that's the way that the human mind tries to deal with it, isn't it? Rather than just stepping back and say, Lord, maybe I failed of my own doing. Maybe you brought failure into my life that I was not ready for. But I'm going to stay here a while. I'm going to worship you in the midst of it. And I am going to obey you step by step out of this failure. The steps of a good man or woman are ordered by the Lord. And he delighteth in his way. You want to know how to battle failure? I don't know that you battle it at all. I think you stay in it. I think you worship during it. And I think that you obey God's path and God's steps out of it. So that when you look back, and maybe you get the opportunity to share that with someone else, that it's no longer, here's seven ways that you can get out of failure. Here's the seven ways that I got back everything that I lost. 
Here's a blog post about how to overcome failure. Look at me. Look at me. Look at how great I am. Rather, it's you being able to acknowledge, no, God led me out of this. God helped me through this. God helped me battle this. And it is by His grace and for His glory that I am standing here today overcoming failure. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let's pray. We'll be done. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank You for the opportunity to share a little bit of what You laid on my heart today. Lord, there wasn't notes today. There wasn't a lot of notes in front of my face, but Lord, just simply me sharing my heart. Lord, I pray and beg You that the people in this room would learn to become God-reliant. It's interesting to me that as I get the opportunity to interact with maybe older pastors and people wiser than me, that there is a push back to a confidence that is toward you. We tried our way. Churches have, have tried doing the carnal, humanistic way. And it's failed us. It has given us a carnal, humanistic church. And Lord, in this moment, more than what we need than any other point in history is that we need You. And sometimes that is accompanied by failure. And so God, I ask You would help us. Lord, help us to depend upon You. Help us to maybe stay in those moments of failure a little bit longer and worship You during it and then obey You out of it. In Your name we pray. Amen. Alright, you're dismissed. Thank you all. Thanks for listening. If this lesson is helpful to you, feel free to share it with someone else or let us know by emailing us at crosspoint at franklinroad.org. You can also check us out at frbc underscore crosspoint on Instagram and Twitter. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.